Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. We're excited this morning to have you here in church with us. But we're also excited because we're kicking off a brand new series titled A Life Worth Living. Now, it doesn't take a doctor or counselor or psychiatrist to recognize, listen here, that we, a lot of us, most of us, are emotionally overwhelmed and mentally exhausted. Can I get an amen? This, this past year has been tough. And if our parents and grandparents work themselves to the point of exhaustion, then today we are overwhelmed and exhausted by the barrage of information and images and sounds that are absolutely relentlessly attacking our senses. Everywhere around us we go. You even pay for a subscription service online and they still have commercials. And you're going, why do I even pay then? (laughs) There's always something coming at you. You almost can't even get away from it. And it continues to invade our minds, our ears, our senses, our eyes. It is constant overload information. And a lot of us, can I just be honest, we don't know how to process that. Because it's overwhelming. And if we quiet ourselves, listen to me, if we quiet ourselves and stop ourselves this morning, you might hear your entire being saying this, all I want is peace of mind. through all the noise of this past year and even going forward, we're almost just to the point where we're going, can we just get to the next thing? If we just get to the next thing, it'll be a lot more peaceful. It's just not true. It's just not true. Because everything in our body, everything in us, and you know where your circumstance and situation is, everything in us is just crying out for just peace of mind. Can we have peace of mind? In fact, that was so interesting. According to the Nelson audience report, the average person, listen to this, spends eight to 11 hours per day interacting with some form of media consumption. Eight to 11 hours. And I'll be honest, it's a little depressing when you get your weekly Apple report on Sunday. Anybody else receive that this morning? And you got it on your iPhone, or your iPad, and you're like, you are up 59% this week. Spent an average of seven hours, 70, you know, 67, you know, like, how did it even work? How do I have seven hours each day that I went increased? What am I even doing on there? And what's so interesting about that is we spend eight, between eight and 11 hours a day consuming some sort of media that we're trying to sift through and we're wondering why we don't have peace of mind. We're wondering why peace begins to escape us because in this world, people are trying to seek peace in a world of panic. This past year has shown us it's panic. This year has shown us there's panic. And I don't see it slowing down. And it's so hard to believe that this peace of mind, such a valued commodity, it's a valued commodity that is in such high demand and is absolutely, totally free to us, still evades so many of us that we can't figure it out. That we sit there back and we go, how do we do this? And the question most of you are asking is, how do I find peace of mind then, Pastor Chris? 
Well, first thing, listen here. When we talk about peace, we're talking about peace. It is a spiritual commodity. It is not something you find in the material realm. It is a physical commodity. I mean, excuse me. It's a spiritual commodity that you cannot buy. It's not something you can go get. It's something that you have to experience first, and then the peace comes. You see, I see so many people trying to buy their way to peace. If I just had a, a better job, if I could just get more money, if I could just get a nicer house, and they try to buy. You imagine in the NFL, these guys are trying to buy peace in a world of chaos and panic, and they're wondering why they have no peace of God. They have no peace of mind. It's because it's a spiritual commodity, not a physical commodity. But we treat it like such, don't we? We treat it like, like it's a physical commodity. And the interesting thing about peace is this, is that only one person has the exclusive copyright to peace. He owns all the peace. He is the sole provider of peace. He is the prince of peace, as Isaiah 9, 6 says, and we read it at Christmas, but he is the prince of peace. His name is Jesus. He's the prince of peace. And so watch this. If we try to find peace outside of Jesus, we can't get it then all we're doing is buying a distraction. Maybe this will satisfy. Maybe this. And in this world of panic, Jesus provides peace to his children. Who are his children? Those who ask and obey. Notice I didn't say those who have it all together. Notice I didn't say those who are walking in this morning going, hi, hoodily, God bless you. You know, it's not Ned Flanders, right? It's not one of those. It are those people who ask and obey. Those children who ask and obey, not about perfection, but about direction. My life doesn't have to be perfect. I just have to be pointing towards the perfect one. And so if I ask for peace and I obey what he is saying, then the peace of God and the peace ends up coming. Because what's so interesting is we're all looking for peace in a world of panic. Now, can I give you the key to understanding today's message? And I really need, I want all eyes up here. This is so important because if you don't get this, I'm afraid you'll miss the message. This is so crucial. Some of you have been here long enough. You know that Pastor Jacob has, has shared this message or this part of this message in the past of three key things all human beings are made up of. And you can see them up here is that we're all made up. Listen, we're, we're going through this because it's important. And if you miss this, I'm afraid you're gonna miss the whole message. Is that we're all human beings are made up of three key parts is that the first one is, I am a spirit. The Bible clearly tells us that God created us. We are created in the image of God. And not only that, he breathed life into us. In John 4, it says, for God is a spirit. So listen to me. If God is a spirit and he breathed life into us, then what would that make us? A spirit. Some of y'all are going, I'm just, I'm not, but I'm not spiritual. <laughs> I'm not spiritual, Pastor Chris, so that, am I really a spirit? Just because you don't think you're one doesn't mean you aren't. We are a spirit because we are made in the image of God. We're a spirit. But not only are we a spirit, this is the next thing, we have a soul. 
All of us have a soul. What is a soul? It's our mind, will, and emotion. It's our voice of reason. And all of these things were created by God for our purpose. He didn't give us a, soul, a spirit, a soul, and a body just, and goes, I hate all of it. That wasn't what it was. But he gave us these things to utilize them. And so our mind, will, and emotion, it's our voice of reason. It's where logic kicks in. It's where we think through things. It's where we can go back to things that we remembered from the past and we can begin to learn for our future. And so our soul is important to where we are. And then finally, this baby bucket <laughs> is our body. Now, our spirit, our soul, and our body, our body is important. Some of us don't pay enough attention to this. Why is, that, why is this important? Because it's the tent that God gave us. And inside that tent, the Bible says is the Holy Spirit. Now, what's important is not the outside, but the inside. But man, I better, I might want to take care of this if something inside of it's very precious. And so we have the, the body here, and it's I live in my body. And the Bible says in Genesis 3, it says, from dust we were formed, from dust we'll return. We'll return to the dust. We have a body. And so we see here that we are made up of three parts, our spirit, our soul, and our body, our spirit, our soul, and our body. But what's interesting enough is you see two different sides up here in two different levels. And what you see up here, listen to me, this is so big. What you see up here is the difference between someone who operates in panic and someone who operates in peace. All of us are in one of two categories. There's no middle ground. You're not okay, right? I asked some of you guys walking in, how are you? Okay, okay. Either you're panicking or you're peaceful. There's no in between. And the side that you choose to operate in will decide whether you have peace or you have panic. And the difference between the two, listen here, is which one you feed the most. Because this side over here, this side over here says, I'm going to feed the flesh. I'm going to consume 8 to 11 hours on social media and make sure that I listen to, to Billy Joe, who has something to say about nothing. Why am I getting worked up over Susan who doesn't know nothing about nothing? But we get ourselves, why? Because we're paying attention to the flesh. We're feeding the flesh. You, you, we, we wonder why we, when you have any news network on, I don't care what your affiliation is, any news network is not the truth. But watch this, when you feed the spirit, doesn't mean you don't feed the rest of them, but when you feed the spirit, peace comes. Because you know the truth, and listen to me, the truth shall set you free. And we can operate in a different way. And so I want you to notice the difference, because as we move forward in this message, you're going to see whether you're operating out of peace or operating out of panic. And it's important today that we understand those things and which side we operate on. Now, many of you are asking the question, okay, Pastor Chris, then, how do I, op how do I get this peace? How do I get this peace? What does this look like? First, I want to help you and follow along. 
Not all peace is the same peace. You're going, what do you, what do you mean? Not all peace is the same peace. And I'm gonna break it down for you this morning real quick and let you know. Not all peace is the same peace. The first piece is peace with God. Everybody say that, peace with God. Peace with God. Okay, this is what happens when you are born again. When you give your life to Jesus, you surrender to him and you are born again. You are saved. This is, this is what happens. You have peace with God. Why do I say that? Because, listen to me here, a holy, awesome, good, righteous God cannot be connected with an unholy, unrighteous, sinful person. Do you understand that? God would not be God if he linked up with that. He would not be good if he linked up with that. And so what did Jesus have to do? Last week we learned that Jesus died on a cross, rose to life, and he covered our sins. So when a righteous, holy God sees us who've accepted Jesus, he sees Jesus, he doesn't see us. Listen to me. Let me say it this way. If you're a born-again believer, you might be sinful, but you're not a sinner. Why sin? Of course you do. Everyone does. But God can link up with you. Why? Because you have peace with God. It, it, it reads like this. Here's what, here's what Paul said in Romans chapter 5, verse 1. It says, our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us. Listen to that. And he now declares us flawless in his eyes. I love that. And this, this means we can now enjoy true and lasting what? Peace with God, all because of what our Lord Jesus, the anointed one, has done for us. So we have peace with God. Now God's wrath will not be poured out on those who believe and accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So we have peace with God. Now, that's not the peace I'm talking about this morning. Because there's a second kind of peace, and that's the peace of God. So, you, so the peace with God, watch this, gives me access, the capability to go and acquire the peace of God. Does that make sense? Peace with God allows me to get the peace of God. Peace with God allows me to get to the peace of God. And what's so interesting about this is that the, the peace of God is circumstantial. What does that mean? It means that it has to be accessed daily for new challenges and circumstances. Okay. In the Old Testament, we saw, if you guys know the story, if you grew up in church, or even if you didn't, you know the story of Moses leading the Israelites, God's people, out of Egypt. And when he freed them, they walked into the, you know, they were supposed to go to the promised land, walked in the desert. And as they were on their journey, God said, I'm going to provide food for you each and every single day. And he called it manna. And what happened is manna would rain down every morning, and it would just be like a thin wafer looked like dew on the ground. And they would go, and the Israelites would go out each morning. They would collect as much manna as they could for that day. The Bible gave very clear instructions. God said, I just want you to collect enough for that day. No more, no less. And so they would go collect out that for that day. They would use it all up, and then the next day would come, and they would have to go back outside again. You see, the peace of God needs to be accessed daily because it is circumstantial. It has an expiration date for each new challenge and circumstance that you will face. 
It has to be accessed daily. It's, it's the Lord's prayer. Give us this day our what? Our daily bread. You don't say weekly bread, do you? You don't say retirement bread, do you? You don't say yearly bread. You said daily bread. Jesus said, I'm going to teach you how to pray. And it's just pray for your daily bread. Why? Because we need to rely upon God and not ourselves. Peace with God is eternal and forever. You can't lose it. It'll never go away when you're born again. The grace of God. You didn't do anything for it, so you can't lose it. It's the peace with God. Listen to me. And then there is, but you have to go get the peace of God every day. You go and you access it and you go to the one who is the prince of peace, Jesus. The difficult part is this. Is there, there are many people who operating right now and they have peace with God because they're a born again believer. But listen to me. They don't have the peace of God. And some of you are waking up this morning, you're going, oh, that's me. Because the peace of God, it doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't mean you're going to be all great and good. It just means you're going to look differently than the world's going to look. So how do I know whether I have the peace of God? You don't respond the way the world responds. You don't panic. You have peace. It's not saying that you're super optimistic and you're going, everything's going to turn out just fine. It just, you just believe that my God is a bigger God than that. And whatever he decides is going to be good, no matter if it, I think it's good or it's not good. It's the peace of God that you can settle in your circumstances, that you can know that you have the peace of God wherever you are. And Jesus told his disciples, listen here, told his disciples, you're going to have to access this daily. Think about it. These 12 teenagers were following this teacher around for three years. And on those journeys, those three years, he would tell them, hey, I'm going to be killed. Hey, I'm going I'm to be crucified. It's, it's going to be pretty bad. I just want to let you know. And they're going, no, Jesus, that's not true. And all of a sudden on Easter, it comes and they're going, they're panicking. Oh no, what's happening? And he's going, I told you this. And he says something in John chapter 14, that he said something to his disciples and to us this morning that is supposed to calm us. Here's, here's what he says. And this is the amplified version in John 14, verse 27. It says, peace I leave with you. He's going, if I don't go, you're not going to get that peace. Peace I leave with you, my perfect peace I give to you. That means it's not, listen to me, it's the perfect peace. It's not half peace, it's perfect peace. It's not incomplete, it's perfect peace. He says this, not as the world gives do I give to you. It doesn't look the same. It's not what the world is gonna give you. The world doesn't have it and it doesn't look like it. So if it's of the world and it looks like the world, if it quacks like a duck, smells like a duck, it is a duck. <laughs> he said, but my peace, I'm not going to give to you like the world. So he said this, do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be afraid. He said, there will be trouble. You will begin to panic at some point. It will crumble all around you. You will face challenges, persecution, hardship, financial, marital, whatever it is, you will face trouble. But he said, let my perfect peace calm you in every 
situation, circumstance, and give you courage and strength for every single challenge that you will face. The peace of God. He said, let my peace, when you have trouble, you need to access it. So how do I access? How do I keep that peace? I'm gonna give you four things and we're gonna, we're gonna close this morning. The first thing is this. How do I access and keep this peace? Number one, by keeping your spirit fed so you can be spirit led. Come on. Listen, I might not be Dr. Seuss, but I can rhyme a little bit, okay? By keeping your spirit fed so you can be spirit led. What's interesting is, and I hear this so often, is that when we see the Bible or read the Bible, I run into so many people that go, Pastor Chris, this book is great and I believe in it, but it's so hard for me to understand that I just like, I don't even pick it up. And you guys know I love you this morning, right? I'm your pastor, I love you. Okay, that's a cop out. There's a lot of things that all of us do in here that we don't understand, yet we do it anyway. All of you will get in a car right after this service. You're going to start that car. You have no idea how that car is starting, do you? But yet you get in it, you drive, you put your foot on the pedal and you do it. You don't have to understand something in order to do it. Because listen, when you're reading this word, you're feeding on the word. So watch it. You don't have to understand it to read it, but it'll make you full. Well, I just don't get anything out of it. Okay, you're not reading, you're feeding. You may not be getting into it, watch this, but it's getting into you. I'm not asking you to read the whole book. I'm not, I'm asking you to just start. Set a timer, set 10 minutes, read the word. Because Jesus clearly said in Luke chapter four, verse four, he said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but only by the word of God. So when we see it and we begin to feed on it and feast on it, we begin to fill up the spirit person that is in us, listen to me, and when you feed the spirit, you deny the flesh. When you feed the spirit, you starve the flesh. And so you put these, and it's not just reading God's word. It's not just like, oh, it's prayer. It's coming to church. You guys have done that, right? It's coming, to, it's being surrounded by worship music. It's making sure in your cubicle, you're putting up scriptures, things that begin to build you up and pour and feed into that spirit, man and woman that's inside of you. Because if you don't, if you're not feeding this, listen to me, you're feeding this. There's no in-between. And we feed our spirit so we can be spirit-led. There are so many people, listen to me, and that means getting in a small group. It means serving in the church. It's not doing more. It's becoming more. It's feasting on more. We get filled up on the right things. I, 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 I hear this so many times that Everyone wants to be spirit-led, but they don't want to keep their spirit fed. I want to be spirit-led, but you don't want to keep your spirit fed. 
This is where we can begin to operate in that. It's why Jesus said in John chapter 6, verse 63, he said, the Holy Spirit is the one who gives life. That which is of the natural realm is of no help. What do you mean? My six-pack doesn't give me help, Pastor Chris? It's like, I'm not saying. I'm just saying that, hey, I, I, if you have a six-pack, that's wonderful. But when you're 65, you ain't going to have a six-pack, I promise. It's going to be of no help. It's not saying it's not important. Listen to me. It's just not most important. It's not saying it's not important. It's just not most important. What are you feeding on? Because when my spirit is fed, it keeps my flesh from leading me. I don't want to be led by my desires. But Feed the spirit and you won't be led by the, your desires. I keep falling into this. Feed your spirit. I keep just doing things that I don't want to. Feed the spirit. Just feed the spirit. Feed the spirit. Come to church. Watch this. Our kids need to be told exactly what is, what is right and wrong, black and white. They don't need any gray areas. They're already confused enough. And if they want the peace of God, they, gotta, they better feed the spirit. And guess what? We better model it for them. Well, I just come to church, Pastor Chris. I just come to church. That's great. That's step one. But some of us need to go a step further. Your kids are watching you going, what are you doing? You're spending more time doing other things than you are feeding the spirit. They need to know because in this next generation, it will be worse. We keep saying, every generation says it's worse, right? We keep building that up. You heard, I heard my mom say, it's so much worse. I'm like, I know. I'm saying it for my kids. I feel old now. Like it's so much worse than when I was growing up. It's not getting better. But let's stop trying to change the outside world. And let's change the spirit world inside of us. Amen. The second one is this. We keep and we access that peace of God by casting your cares continually on Jesus. I love this verse. First Peter five, seven and eight says, pour out all your worries and stress upon him and leave them there. Why? For he will always, always tenderly care for you. Be well balanced and always alert because your enemy, the devil, roams around incessantly like a roaring lion waiting, looking for prey to devour. How many times have you been destroyed by your worry, stress, and an unbalanced life? And it's because, look at me, it's because we are carrying weight and worries that we should never carry. We should, we're carrying anxiety, we're carrying all these things, and we're just limping along, wondering why life is so tough, why we're so worried and anxious, because we're carrying weight like we are God. When God says, cast your cares upon me, he said, cast your cares upon me. It wasn't just like, hey, uh, just easily drop them in my lap. It was, throw it on me. <laughs> And my kids are the best at this, aren't they? Like kids are, kids are the best. They bring every care in the world to you. It's like my leg hurts, dad. I'm like, I don't know what to do. What do you want me to do about it? Like my, my nose is boogie. Oh, they're punching me. They're hitting me. And they bring every little thing. Why? Listen to me. Look at me. Because they know daddy cares about them. Look at me. Some of you don't believe your father cares for you. So you're wanting to put it on your shoulder and go, I'll figure it out. 
and you're wondering why you're tired and worn out. Because you're carrying God weight and you're a human. You're a human. Listen to me. The Father cares about you. The Bible says he always cares for you. He tenderly loves you. So watch this. When you do it, you throw it on the Father. You're filling up that spiritual bucket. But when you try to carry it yourselves, all you're going is, I'm bigger than that. I can do it. And can I be, can I be super transparent with you this morning? I struggle with this. Because here's what I've done all my life. And here, guys, our pride, all, all eyes, if you're a man, look up at me. Here's the words we use. I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. Baby, I got it, right? <laughs> I'll figure it out. And we try to put on this Superman S on our chest and try to do it all. And what happens? It fails. Or watch, we fail. And we come to the end of ourselves and realize that God was going, all you had to do was cast your cares upon me. Continually, each and every single day. You have to renew that. You have to care, cast your care upon him because he loves you. And out of obedience, trust, and love, we're saying, God, I know you can take care of this better than I can. I'm going to cast my care upon you because I know you love me. You tenderly love me. You always love me. And when I do that, I'm feasting and I'm filling up my spirit and I'm denying the flesh because I, I don't want that weight anymore. That's not my weight. That's God's weight. That's God's weight. So cast your cares upon him. The third thing is this. We access it by keeping your mind set on Jesus. Isaiah 26 says it this way. It says, you will keep in perfect peace and constant, perfect and constant peace. The one whose mind is what? Steadfast. What does that mean? That is committed and focused on you, God, in both inclination and character, because he trusts and take refuge in you with hope and a confident expectation. We set our minds. Now, what is this? It's not a trick question. What is this? We all are like, I'm not sure. Can you see this? It's a clock. Okay. What does a clock do? It tells time. Did you know a clock, a watch, whatever, is worthless if it doesn't tell time? Or watch this, if it's not set on the right time, it's worthless. You can have the greatest, most expensive clock in the world, but if it doesn't, isn't set on the right time, it is worthless. If, if, you, were, if you were, grew up before cell phones, you'll, you might remember a little bit of this. I remember at my house when the power went out and the clocks you know, were flashing, what, what did you have to do? You had to go to the channel. How many of the channel, the clock channel? I don't even know what to call it, but the clock channel, you would go to that channel and you would go, oh, that's the time. And you would go and set your, your clocks on cable. You would go to that channel and you would, because how else would you, how did we live before phones? This is so weird. But my mom, God bless her soul, she is amazing, single mom, raised two boys, and uh, she's amazing, and she would set her clock 10 minutes ahead of time. How many have parents that would do that? Because they didn't want to be late, which never really made sense to me because she knew it was 10 minutes fast, and so she would just automatically add 10 minutes, but it doesn't matter regardless. The funny thing is, is she would set it to 10 minutes ahead of time because what she knew is if she didn't, then she would be late. 
Look at me. If you don't set your mind on the right thing, the enemy will set you up. And he'll set it for you. There's no passive setting here. There's not like, uh, I'll just do whatever. No, no, no. You set it on the right thing. You set your mind on the right thing because if you don't, the enemy will do it for you. The enemy will do it for you. Romans 8 says it this way. Those who are motivated by the flesh only pursue what benefits themselves. But those who live by the impulses of the Holy Spirit are actually motivated to pursue spiritual realities. For the sense and reason of the flesh, it leads to death. But the mindset, everybody say mindset. Mindset controlled by the Spirit finds life and peace. Because my mindset is what I set my mind on. And your flesh will follow what you focus. Where your focus is, your flesh will follow. So if my focus is on the Spirit, my flesh is going to follow that. But if my focus is not on the spirit, you might not even focus on the flesh, not on the spirit, it is focused on the flesh and your spirit will look like that. But we have to set our minds on the right thing. Number four is this, and here's where we close this morning, is by letting God's peace stand guard over our hearts. Philippians chapter four, Paul speaks to the church at Philippi and here's what he says. He says, do not be anxious or worried about anything, but in everything, every circumstance and situation. He didn't say just whenever you decide to do it, every circumstance, every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, may, continue to make your specific requests known to God. Now, you might be going, well, the Apostle Paul doesn't understand living in the 21st century. You're right. Let's put it in context. He actually got persecuted for his faith. You don't. He actually got killed for his faith. You don't. So when he's saying, don't worry, we better back up for a second and realize what they were going through. He says, make every single specific request known to God. And this is, this is what happens. And the peace of God, that peace which reassures the heart, that peace which transcends all understanding, that peace which stands guard over your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus is yours. What Paul knew was that in Philippi, it was under Roman rule at the time. So everywhere they would have gone, they would have seen Roman soldiers everywhere. Those Roman soldiers had one job. And that one job was to make sure that the crown stayed on the right king. So they would do whatever it would take to squash any riot, any coup, any uprising, any disobedience, they stood guard, watch this, so the crown stayed in the right place. Look up at me. Your responsibility is to make sure that the crown that you place in your life is on the right king. Look at me. The crown doesn't go on the president's head. I don't care what you are. Listen to me. The crown doesn't go on your boss's head. It doesn't go on your coworkers. The crown does not go on anyone. Look at me. Some of you marriages need to hear this. The crown doesn't go on your spouse. Whoa, 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 whoa. Look up here. Some of you expect your spouse to give you peace. And then you got married and realized that wasn't the case. And you're looking up, well, if you just do this, I, I would be peaceful in our house. No, 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 no. 
you're placing the crown on the wrong head. Because when you keep the crown on the right head, then peace follows that. And the crown that I want to place it on is the one who's actually the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The only one who came back from the dead and still is living. His name's Jesus. And when you keep it there, it guards your heart and it guards your mind. So that when the crown is on the right head and everything else comes at you, you can go, I got this. It's okay because I know the king is the king. And when he's the king, everything else can come against it and it's going to stand guard over what I think and what I believe. And watch this. It doesn't matter what the government says or what laws they make or what happens in my marriage. I know the king is still the king. I know that when, if the cancer come back, the king is still the king. I'm going to have peace because I'm not putting this crown on a doctor's head. Listen to me. I'm putting it on the, the king of kings. And that peace comes. When that peace is experienced, our job then is to do this. You hold on to that peace with everything you have. Now, some of you might know, I know a little thing or two about holding on to footballs. <laughs> It's a joke, okay? It's a joke. It was Super Bowl 44, and we kicked this ball on an onside kick, and I fall on this ball, and my whole goal was to hold on. I remember telling myself, hold on, hold on, hold on. And people ask me all the time, how was it underneath that pile, Pastor Chris? Well, tell me what it was like. And I always give the same answer. You don't want to know what it was like. <laughs> because everybody wanted that. Everybody wanted this. And when I was under that pile, everybody was ripping at it, trying to pry my fingers off. They were even, watch this, going after areas that had nothing to do with the peace. We're in church. We'll make sure we're going that way. Why? Because they wanted me to get distracted, so I lost the peace. You know what the enemy does? He uses people in your life to go to steal that peace away from you. He uses the pain in your life to go, God's not. He doesn't love you. He wouldn't allow this pain. He uses your past. Listen to me. He uses the daddy wounds in your life for you to mark every single relationship moving forward. And you miss the peace of God because of your past. Or maybe it's just the pressures of this world begin to squeeze it out of you and you lose it all together. Our job is to go each and every single day and we go get this peace for what we need. And we go get this peace not because it just benefits us because it gives glory to God. That's why. And we go, and when we have that peace, we hold on to it with everything we are, and we tell that, and you're not going to steal my peace today. This is not for you. This is for me. This is the peace of God that I know that in that financial situation, my God is a provider. He will come through. 
in that job and we're going on an interview, whatever it is that you're holding fast to the peace that even if it's, it doesn't happen, it's not meant to be then. That you hold fast. That Listen to me. I was holding that ball to try to win the championship. I knew it would help our team. For you, you're holding on to peace to win your own championship in your marriage, with your kids, with your finances, with the healing that God has right around the corner. But you have to hold on to it. You have to hold on to it. Now, I'm not naive enough to think or even to try to speculate, but I can guess that this morning, maybe even hearing this message, you're going, Pastor Chris, I've lost the peace. I've lost this peace, the peace of God. You know what great thing is about daily bread? Is there's always more the next day. Look at me, look at me. And Paul tells us in his word how to get it back. You can go get it. And it almost sounds so simple and so easy, but God never makes things that difficult for us. He gives us three ways. Here's what he says. He says, prayer, petition, thanksgiving. He says, prayer is just coming to God. It's it's coming to God. Too many of us look at God as a genie and not as a father. Come to God. He just wants to spend time with you. That's what prayer is all about, communing with God. But then petitioning is a formal request, right? How many of you have signed a petition before or in school or wherever you were, you signed a petition? It is specific. So God says, I want you to get specific about what you're asking me for. And when you submit that petition, you submit it to an authority that has control to to control that situation. Watch this. So when you petition God, you're going, God, I need peace for my financial situation. You are with God in prayer. You petition God. And then this is, we all miss this. We thank God. Because when you thank God, you put your trust in God. You don't ever thank something that you don't have trust in. And when you're thankful, you're going, God, I'm putting my trust in you. Thank you that you heard me. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that I can cast my cares upon you. Thank you that I can feed my spirit. Thank you that you have the truth and not the world. Thank you that Jesus is the way, the truth, and life, and no one comes to you except through him. Thank you that I have absolute truth in the name of Jesus, not relative truth out in the world. You can have that through prayer, petition, thanksgiving. There's a story of a dog owner, an old story of a dog owner who had two dogs and he raised them to fight on command. And he would go around and he would go from town to town and he would place bets on these dogs that were fighting each other and he would win. The owner would win and pick the right dog every single time. And finally, one of the people came up to him and said, tell me what you're doing. Cause these dogs, you pick the right one each and every single time. You pick the right dog each and every single time. Tell us what you're doing. And here's what he says very clearly. Listen to me. He says, whichever one I feed, that's the one that wins. Look at me. Whichever one you feed, that's the one that's going to win. 
So Father, this morning we pray and we thank you that you're here, that you give us peace that surpasses all understanding. But God, you tell us very clearly in your word, there is a peace with you and there is a peace of you. This morning, for those that don't have the peace of God, Lord, I pray that they would seek you, they would go to you, they would petition you, and they would thank you with everything that they have. And in every circumstance or situation, we believe that your word is true, that you will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus, that we set our focus on you. But God, you also share with us that before we have the peace of God, we need the peace with God. And I know there are many in here that don't have the peace with God, and they can't even access your peace. So this morning, I want to present that opportunity to you. It's called being born again. You can't get right with God, but Jesus already made it right. And this morning, I want to invite you, give you an opportunity to respond to the gospel message of Jesus Christ that he has saved you from your sins. Somebody had to pay for it, and Jesus paid for it for you. It is a gift that all we have to do is accept, receive, and believe. And we begin following him. So this morning, the greatest question you can ask yourself is, have I been born again? If you haven't, this morning is an opportunity for you to take that step. It's as simple as A, B, C, A. We just admit we're sinners in need of a Savior. B, we believe that what Jesus did for us on the cross was enough to cover our past, present, and future sins. And C, we confess him as Lord and as Savior of our lives. It only happens once, just like you're only born physically once. You're only born spiritually once, where you surrender and submit your life and commit your life to Jesus. And we're going to do that through a prayer. The prayer doesn't save you. Your faith in Jesus saves you. So this morning, I want to give you that opportunity with all heads bowed, all eyes closed. No one's looking. I don't want you to care what your spouse may think, what your friend may think. This is between you and God to get peace with God. If that's you here this morning, I don't want to embarrass you, but in just a second, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. And we're all going to pray a prayer together. You're not going to be alone. But on the count of three, if you're going to include me in that born again prayer, Pastor Chris, I need that this morning. I want that. I want to be born again. I want you to raise your hand now. Anyone? Awesome. Thank you. I see you. Wonderful. Thank you. Two, three, four, five, six, seven. Awesome. Eight, nine. Awesome. 10. I see you. 11, 12. Wonderful. You can put your hands down. One more opportunity. If you raised your hand once, you don't ever have to raise it again. You have peace with God. But if that's you this morning, I should have raised my hand. One last opportunity. I want you to raise it now. Anyone else want to join this one? 13. Awesome. Praise God. Thank you. Well, church, with those hands that were raised, I want everyone to repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, my guilt, and you died for it. I believe you faced hell for me 
so I would not have to go and rose on the third day to give me a place on heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again. Say this with me. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Come on, put your hands together.